3: With a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? This is the stupid cancer show. Uh
1: oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mundus. Because he has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the hosts of the stupid cancer show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. <laughs> Not that there's anything
3: wrong
4: with us.
5: Oh <laughs> yeah. Monday, June 11th, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a
4: 16-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Kenny Kane, sitting in for Lisa Bernhard tonight. I am not a cancer survivor, but I am the VP of Operations for Stupid Cancer.
5: And uh, it is not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy
4: living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, documentary filmmakers, Survivor Spotlight, Amy, Ch- I'm going to butcher her last name,
3: Schmills,
4: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll ask what she gets on. Young Adult Cancer Survivor, Hodgkin's Lymphoma, author, Cancer Through My Eyes, Chicken Soup for the Soul, the cancer book, Emmanuel Chick garcia director of The Idiot Cycle. Producer of JPS Films. Anthony Bradford, producer, translation.
5: Transi- are you drunk? I am drunk. Read hey, this. We have the, uh, the Busy Nano Brothers, Anthony, Nicholas, and, uh, and Andy, coming on the show to talk about their their uh, cancer film transition. I've never been more uh, challenged in my life. Because inside Kenny. Kenny needs to take the SATs again. Yes. All right, the Stupid Cancer Show was a production of Stupid Cancer. Also known as the IMG Young This Cancer Foundation, online at stupidcancer.org, we are not your father's cancer society, we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs. So, welcome aboard another fun, and exciting rock to the hay on tonight's
4: Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes as we broadcast live from the chemo deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan.
5: And a final reminder, the Stupid Cancer Show has a live interactive chat feed during each and every broadcast. We invite you to join in the fun connect with our friends and ask questions of our guests. And with that, we have, dare I use an
4: S-A-T word that Kenny can't pronounce, a
5: panoply of interns with us tonight.
4: Totally. We need to stop like flying at midnight before the show. Oh, so bad that we're, news. we're both like jet lagged and and shot.
5: Well, anyway, Matt Beckett. Hello, sir.
4: Hey, how are you? Good. Good to see you.
5: You too. You keep showing up, so I guess you're doing something good here. <laughs> I'm trying. We he keeps got...
4: bringing like like high calorie cakes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you
5: are the provider
4: of the diabetes of the.
5: <laughs> hello, Burke Larez.
2: Hello. You
5: enjoy being on the radio show. I
2: I do like this. That's yeah. awesome. Okay,
3: <laughs>
5: we need some contrapuntal hormones in the room. There's I too many guys. The Sausage Festival tonight. James Manning, Reverend Doctor. That's just Doctor Manning now, right? Okay, Doctor. you've been de-reverend. I guess. Okay, fair enough. He was but cast that, aside.
4: Leave that to my family. Dude. Okay. He was cast out.
5: That's okay. That, that gets one of these. What are you up to, guys? All of you, together at once, in sync. On three, go. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. This is what I can expect from my kids when
4: they go to school, right? right?
5: What did you do at school today?
4: Nothing. Oh, well, it's like, I remember when we were learning about, like, job interview process. It's like, you don't go to a job interview and say, you know, tell me about yourself. Uh, I like to chill, hang out.
0: They'll be showing you photos of what they've been doing during their day.
4: Right, like, here's your Facebook page from yesterday, Mr. Exactly. Manning. Yes, exactly.
0: That's what they'll
5: be doing. Anyway, in any case... How was San Diego? I was going to say, how was Atlanta? (laughs) Kenny and I were embarked... The entire Stupid Cancer... started with Thursday night. Right, Thursday night. Uh, We had the sixth annual Stupid Cancer Ungala here in New York City, um, and it was a thriving success. It was quite amazing to... We had like 245 people come. We raised about uh, $6,000 or $7,000. We had... Our first ever Chinese auction, we gave away iPads and gift baskets and Mets Red Sox tickets. It was incredible. Um, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just like there's a whole new crop of amazing people here in the city that are coming out in support of us now. It's, we're really thankful to them. And, and uh, no sooner had we gotten back from a an evening of, of great friends, company, and alcohol, then Kenny and I hopped on 6 a.m. flights Jeez. to uh, Atlanta for him and San Diego for me. And I'll let you start. You went to Atlanta
4: because? Because we are now launching a stupid cancer ATL group, which came out of the OMG Summit in Las Vegas. We had a lot of people show up from Georgia, and they were like, hey, what about us? So this is the What About Us meeting. So. And the woman who won the the Volkswagen.
5: At the summit is from Atlanta, yes, right?
4: Yes, well, she's right outside, and she actually got married this weekend, so congratulations to her and her Very husband. Very nice. Uh, she told me via Facebook message that the Passat that they won from Volkswagen was the getaway vehicle from, like, the Just Married with the Tin King. Oh, uh, nice. Bike. Yeah. That's so sweet. They rode off in style. I want to see photos of that. That's awesome. Yep. totally. To yeah.
5: show that to our friends at Volkswagen. So it was a good meeting?
4: Good meeting. Good, uh, cohesive, comprehensive group yeah. Of people? Yeah, totally. Met Dr. Brad Schmidt, who we had on the show, I think two months ago. He was the racquetball player survived had the spinal tumor. His his spine is like a uh, uh, like a question mark. A question mark, right? Question mark. can't be pleasant. It's a Spanish question mark. No tildes, so no hey. tildes
5: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's awesome. Um, I I had uh, four orders of business in San Diego. It was kind of cool. I got to. Um, uh, meet our San Diego chapter crew uh, for dinner. And uh, we had a really wonderful brainstorming session about uh, what the chapter is going to do with the money that they won uh, by being the uh, the winners of the uh, OMG Summit Players Club chapter throwdown. Nice. They raise the most money, so they get to keep 10%, and they have $1,400 uh, in escrow right now for them to spend on as they please. And I believe they're going to throw themselves their own Ungala fundraiser in the fall cool. to raise money for their chapter for OMG 2013, which is pretty awesome. Great stuff. Uh, and then on Saturday, we worked with UCSD Cancer Center Prometheus Labs, one of our sponsors from the summit, on a Stupid Cancer boot camp, the inaugural Stupid Cancer boot camp in San Diego. We had about 55 people come, all different ages, a lot of new young adults that were at the UCSD that did not know about Stupid Cancer. Um, very successful. Uh, the expert panel was a great portfolio of, of uh, doctors in the field who knew about uh, psychosocial issues, reconstruction issues. You talked
4: about melanoma,
5: right? Yeah, it was melanoma, but it was it was the general gist of young adults, regardless of disease. Right. They still need psychosocial. They need reconstruction. They need uh, uh, sort of oncofertility issues. And, and unless you live
4: under a rock, literally, right. you need to know about melanoma.
5: Yes, exactly. exactly. Vitamin D is horseshit, apparently. So, uh, interesting. Interesting. Well, actually, Lenny, our, our board chairman, Dr. Leonard Sender, knows the guy who invented, not invented, but found vitamin D and, like, named it vitamin D in, like, the 1920s. The guy's, like, 85 years old now. And uh, we want to have him on the show to talk about vitamin D. Be because great. He claims that that what the uh, nutritional industry has done with vitamin D is a sham and that it's all, like, a worthless thing and we make we, it's useless and the sun is whatever – but the doctors on the panel were talking about how the sun, thanks to global warming and climate change, it's a different kind of sun now than we had in the 20s. Because, and this is the less uh, the stat that I, I took away with it, in 1920, the risk of melanoma, like invasive die- death from melanoma, yes. one in 1500. Wow. Today, one in 50. Jeez. And in Australia, it's one in 20.
4: Well, that makes sense. Right. How we. And would- in Hawaii,
5: it's one in one.
4: No. <laughs> no. Like, uh. Yeah. Aloha. You make me go cross-eyed.
5: Mahalo. So he
4: thinks that vitamin D is not beneficial?
5: Vitamin D is not as uh, necessary as the, uh, the. You know, they say that all of these kids that live indoors now are vitamin D deficient because right. the body doesn't make vitamin D. You can get vitamin D from foods without the sun.
4: Right. You right. Know, so and laptops, don't they give away vitamin D? Yes. Isn't that like a thing now? Vitamin
5: death, exactly. Yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so then we had the boot camp on Saturday, and then on Sunday I was with our champion team leaders in San Diego: Legaia King, Eric Galvez, Kristen Albert, Amanda Hit. Uh, great group of people. They're growing by leaps and bounds. There was this one photo of us on on, um, on Facebook. There's like
4: nine or ten of us, like this core group. Was that on the beach? It was on the beach. Yeah. What were you doing on the beach?
5: There, the, UCSD and Scripps have this thing called Survivor Beach and in conjunction with uh, with Cancer Survivors Day which is what the Sunday event was in the morning they get all the all the folks that surfboard that surf in the uh, San Diego area to line up their surfboards across like a mile and a half strip of beach like board after board after board yeah. and they try to beat the, the number every year they try to have more boards stretch out so this year they had like over a mile and a quarter of, of surfboards and they broke the record and they raised a couple of thousand dollars but, like, three or 400 people come up to the beach at, like, 8 in the morning to just hear great speeches and hear survivors talk, and it was really inspiring stuff. Genentech was a sponsor. They gave out, like, coffee, which was the only thing that really mattered to me at 8 in the morning and, on a beach. But it's San Diego. It's 72 and gorgeous every single day, all day, every day, nonstop. I don't know why I don't live there outside of the fact that my wife doesn't want to live
4: there. Right, yeah. <laughs> and now you're uh, you're locked down in, yeah. in Brooklyn.
5: So um, it's a really wonderful morning for that Sunday. And then, of course, that Sunday afternoon I spoke to about 300 or 400 cancer survivors at the official Scripps Cancer Survivors Day. Big props to Tom Friedman, who's the lead oncology social worker over there at Scripps. Great guy. Really cool guy. We're going to get him on the show when we do UCSD as a, as a program uh, here on the Stupid Cancer Show. But yeah, between the dinner and the boot camp and the survivor beach and the cancer survivors thing, I had lunch with our board chairman, Dr. Zender, and I got to speak with my cousin, who's battling brain cancer, um, and then I had a dinner with, of all people, uh, Mr. Michael Tiernan. Michael Tiernan is a young adult testicular cancer survivor, rock star musician, who I met in 2005 through my friend Mara, who I went to college with, um, Mike Tiernan was one of the first musicians, for those of you listening that are old school Stupid Cancer, we produce compilation yeah, albums, he's compilation. and he's on one of the compilation CDs of young adult musician survivors, I got to meet him, uh, I haven't seen him in a long time, I met his wife, his two beautiful children, so overall, like a really, really great weekend celebrating Stupid Cancer with young adults, and really a like a big vitamin B, not a vitamin D, <laughs> shot to our movement, really good stuff. Very cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah. No, I, I had a great time in the South, and, and hopefully uh, equally good things will come out of Atlanta.
5: Fantastic. Um, so, anyway, Lisa wanted me to uh, – Lisa had a, a death in the family. She'll be joining us a little later, which is very brave of her, so we'll give her a big uh, big hug virtually later. But she just wanted me to mention real quick before we bring out Amy that there was some big news this week. The September health September eleventh Health Fund was officially finally given clearance to cover – Cancer. So all those people who got different kinds of blood cancers and skin cancers and, and, and brain cancers from breathing in all that fabulous toxic dust um, have finally been approved, and we're going to be given free health care reimbursement coverage for cancer treatment. But it is a limited number of cancers. I mean, you have to qualify. So I don't know if they... It's better than nothing? No, of course. we we'll take it where we we'll get it, I guess. Of course. Yeah. But anyway, that was really cool. Really cool. Um, so anyway, so let's uh, let's bring out our. Uh, I've been waiting to have this woman on the show for a long time now. No, no, she's an old old friend. Okay, and I will botch her name as well because I forgot to ask her how to pronounce it. Amy Chimilewski, Uh is a seven-year Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. She recently earned two master's degrees in social work and bioethics. So she's an underachiever. Amy is currently pursuing a career in on oncology social work. Inspired by her cancer journey, she's an advocate in the young adult cancer community, active in her local chapter of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and a volunteer at the Gathering Place in Cleveland, Ohio, one of my favorite towns. Please welcome Amy Chalewski, and please correct me.
2: Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me.
5: Hey, Amy. All right, Hi. How, how horrible did we butcher your last name?
2: You guys didn't do too bad, actually. The, well, I did the,
5: horrible.
4: <laughs> I, I, didn't even, I didn't even put anything in. No,
2: you didn't do bad. You guys did a great job. All right,
5: job. so for the seats in the back, how do you say your last name?
2: Chomaleski.
5: Chomaleski.
2: Mm-hmm. Gazintai. <laughs> Thank you.
5: So we've been we've been friends for a while. We've been Facebook friends for a while, and I always see you commenting, and I'm like, you can't not recognize that last name. <laughs>
2: Just so is that, one, yeah. is that is that?
5: Polish, is it Russian? Where where does it come from?
2: It's Polish. It's the it sea that gives it away, yeah.
5: Yep. Uh, is your family from, like, you feel like first generation American?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. All I know is I'm I've stumped Polish. it
5: already into one minute of the interview. <laughs> yeah.
2: You're already asking me something questions. This isn't good.
5: Right. So, I, I the, your, the timing of you on the show is amazing because I was talking about yesterday, uh, I was at Scripps and spending the weekend with our San Diego chapter, I met a lot of young adults, surprisingly, who were oncology professionals that got sick as young adults or who were young adults that got sick and became oncology professionals. Wow. So there's like like this little sub-club going on right now Mm -hmm. that I really, it's really kind of cool. Yeah, it is. So talk to us about your your initial diagnosis, Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, itching, rashing, lymph nodes, what was going on?
2: Well, I was diagnosed um in my second semester of college back um February 1st, 2005 is the day that I was diagnosed. And prior to my diagnosis, I did have some of the symptoms of Hodgkin's, the weight loss, the fatigue, the itchy skin, but to be honest with you, I didn't really think anything of it um until one day I had a nice lump pop out of my neck and was having trouble swallowing. So that sent me into the ER and they did some scans and then they found um, a tumor in my chest in addition to this lump that I had in my neck. So then they did a biopsy and the surgeon knew right away that it was Hodgkin's. So that's how I got initially diagnosed.
5: Well that's good then. I mean not the good that you had it but good that you were diagnosed relatively quickly.
2: Right. I didn't have a long diagnosis process. I've heard that a lot you know in young adults that going through doctor after doctor, and um, right. well, I especially I was lucky in that way.
5: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to be pursuing a career in oncology, social work, you're going to encounter a lot of young adults who are misdiagnosed for way too long.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
5: So, I mean, we have three interns here with us. Um, we have uh, James Brooke and Matt Beckett, and all three of them were di- diagnosed late. I was diagnosed. It took me eight months to find out what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so kudos to you and your doctors for being proactive and having that sort of Advanced technology of thought,
2: right, right, yeah, and it only took a few weeks for me, so I'm very lucky right. in that regard, yeah,
5: so your process at this point were you uh so you were a college sophomore
2: i was oh, I was in my second semester of my freshman year, oh of your college
5: or oh, so you were mm-hmm. just getting your bearings,
2: right, yeah, just getting started kind of in that unique stage, you know where you've moved away from your high school friends a little bit and you're starting to experience experience college life and um and then all of a sudden cancer came in and um had to withdraw from school in order to go through treatment.
5: What school are you at?
2: I started at Kent State, um and then after um treatment I went to Cleveland State University and then I just got both of my masters from Case Western Reserve University. Yeah, so I was I've, gonna say I've had a, my tour of schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
5: well that you you are clearly are on a bit of a marathon education there.
2: Right, right. <laughs>
5: so social work and bioethics that's Yes. That's kind of like basket weaving in architecture. (laughs)
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah, but surprisingly they fit pretty well together.
5: So so talk to us about then, all right, so you go through cancer. Were you treated in a way that you now know we would want to know about, like age appropriately? Were you introduced to other young adults? Were you told about, I mean, because this was uh, 2000 and and what year was it?
2: 2005.
5: So there were a couple of younger adult groups. First Descent was out there and Johnny Irwin was out there. We were just getting started, but, you know, were, were you made aware of the world uh, that we, we live in?
2: Yeah, I definitely was. I, um, I had a really great medical team in that way. Um, I went into my doctor's office and was just saying, you know, I need to meet people that are my age. I need to connect with people. And so they sent me to the local organization here called The Gathering Place. Right. Um, And they connected me to a support group of young adults with cancer there. And then I actually found out about you guys through The Gathering Place.
5: Right. One of our former board members, Aaron Spicer, I believe you know him.
2: Yeah, Aaron. Um, Shout out to Aaron, yeah.
5: Yep. And (laughs) uh, he helped us really build a great relationship with you guys at The Gathering Mm -hmm. Place. And it's it's wonderful that you have sort of that that community out there.
2: Yeah, it's great. And, And the young adults. Here in this community are just wonderful. We've been able to really connect, and they really are what got me through treatment. Just having that connection to people who knew what it was like, without having to explain what it's like.
5: So let's let's jump to an obvious question, or maybe not so obvious question. You're you're choosing now to pursue a career in oncology social work, mm-hmm. um, inspired by your cancer journey. To what extent inspired by? It? Like, were you planning on that direction at, at all? Was it an inkling in your mind when you were a college freshman?
2: No, actually, when I started at Kent State, I was an interior design major. Okay. (laughs) So I went a completely opposite direction. Um, But when I went back to school after treatment, I just started working on my psychology degree. And then I took a class in health, and I was like, wow, this is it. This is where my passion is. I love this. And then that's how I got into the oncology piece, because it's really where my passion is. It's where I feel most comfortable. It's where I feel like I could do the most good for the most amount of people.
5: So, I see in your name, your credentials is MSSA. What does that stand for?
2: That's um, a degree that's unique to Case Western. It's called a Master of Science in Social Administration, but it's basically just a Master's in Social Work. Got it. Mm -hmm.
5: So, where are you now?
2: I don't mean physically.
4: I mean, where are you? You you just finished like two weeks ago, right?
2: uh, Just finished school, yeah. I graduated on May 20th.
4: Congratulations.
2: Yeah, thank you very much.
4: Well, that gets one of these.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thank
3: you.
2: <laughs> it was an intense couple of years. Um so I'm doing great. Yeah, I graduated and um physically I'm doing well. I'm in um going on 7 years in my survivorship. So all is well on that front.
5: That's fantastic. Are you um a member of the Association uh, sorry, the Association of um Oncology social workers
2: yes a o s w yeah definitely, I belong That's to them. It's a the wonderful, wonderful organization, yeah
5: no, we we uh typically we exhibit at their conference every year, so
2: oh cool, um, yeah, they just had that, I didn't yep. make it, but hopefully next year,
5: yeah, we couldn't go this year because of the summit because of the o m g summit right, um, which were you at?
2: no, I wasn't there, I missed Vegas, okay. I've been to New York though which okay, is, but yeah i I miss well, Vegas,
5: you have to come back to you have to come to Vegas then for twenty thirteen
2: Right, <laughs> We'll hold you to it. It looks like it was a blast, yeah, I'm sad I missed it,
5: so, as far as your perspective, like you're going to be an oncology nurse in uh in in would you are you interested in like the young adults specifically, or you want to focus on peds or or where do you see yourself landing in there?
2: um I've been working with mostly adults and I love working with um adults, and I do really like the young adult population um as well, so hopefully I can get um a little bit of both.
5: That's pretty cool. And as far as uh, long-term issues, you, did they discuss with you fertility issues and and you know uh, any long-term psychosocial late effects, whatnot?
2: Not really. And I wish that they would have. Especially, well, I was diagnosed when I was 18, so I'm not really sure if fertility was so much on the radar of my oncologist. Right. Um, but I really wish that that was something that he would have talked to me about because that obviously is a concern now that I'm you know in my mid 20s and um I definitely think about that.
5: you think there's an opportunity to to go back to them and ask them if they've implemented some sort of program for the next few?
2: Oh, yeah, I would love to know that, especially because I feel like there is that need for that long term follow up I mean especially when you're diagnosed you know in the teens eighteen nineteen twenty, and also for all young adults but that that's a really crucial time, and I wish I would have got more of that um
5: well, I up- smell a black ops mission. <laughs> we're going to annoy you an assignment yes we're going to su- you and
4: spicer Spicer yes. <laughs> could be your wheelman. man <laughs> right? yeah. we're
5: going to suspend you from the ceiling and come crashing through the glass and just pull out cd-roms from the the computers and stuff
2: <laughs> yeah
5: that's very cool yeah. and uh you are active with leukemia in ohio also
2: yes yes i actually did um an internship there my first year in graduate school, so that was a wonderful opportunity, and I've just stayed active with them volunteering and serving on their patient services committee, so it's been great to kind of have that personal connection, and now also being active in a professional way has just been awesome.
5: No, That's great. Again, I, I go back to what I said before about how I was in San Diego, and I wound up meeting a lot of young adults who either were oncology professionals and got cancer, or in your case, you know, were just pursuing life and then cancer hit, and it it converted them into a career path that they hadn't expected in oncology practice. Mm-hmm. You know, can you talk about how you think, you know, being a survivor would, would maybe not, I mean, this could sound bad to the ones that aren't cancer survivors, but might it give you a leg up or a different perspective or, or help you be uh, a better steward for patients you, you deal with having gone through the experience they're going through?
2: I definitely think so. I mean, I think it gives me an advantage in having a different understanding and a different perspective and being able to relate in a different way. Not saying that someone who hasn't been through cancer isn't amazing at what they do in social work or whatever their profession is, but I definitely have a different lens when I'm working with patients and their family because I get it to a certain extent. I'm never going to get it all the way because I'm not them and I'm not walking in their shoes, but I can at least if they're having side effects, I can at least understand what that feels like, or if there's issues within the family or issues with their support system i I can understand that in a different way, and I think it's really beneficial to my practice
5: Well, I think it's fantastic yeah. we We talk about the uh the need to reach the next generation of oncology professionals to help ensure you know like like now you have the opportunity if there's a patient who's eighteen. You can raise that issue with your oncologist about, did you talk to this person about fertility?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. There you go. Right. You're,
5: you're a problem-solving crime fighter.
2: Right, and also helping to give the patients a voice as well. Exactly. Because they may not even have that awareness. I mean, the diagnosis of cancer is so overwhelming as it is, so it'll be good to be another voice on that journey with them, encouraging them to talk to their doctor about certain things or encouraging them to go to certain organizations for support or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm.
5: We need to make stupid cancer Batman masks
4: for, like, nurses.
2: <laughs> nurses and social workers? Yeah. Yeah, that would Maybe be awesome. we come up with,
4: like, a, something more discreet, like a Superman S under there. <laughs> under their no, yeah. like, they have, like, you know, the, the surgical mask. Like a but cowl. Like a a cowl with, like, Batman ears or
5: something. Yeah. That's a stupid cancer on it. <laughs> yeah,
3: that would be great. Distinguish you guys.
5: Yeah, that'll fly really well with the administration. We'll put it in right, the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. fantastic. Fantastic. Um, well, I, again, I can't thank you enough for for coming on the show. I think you are an example of what we try to do with every show is highlight the young adult story. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm really I'm impressed that you were diagnosed within a reasonable period of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, uh, disappointed that they didn't really talk to you about fertility, but again, it, we we pick and choose our battles.
2: Right, that's something we can work on in the future.
5: In the future, yeah. But right, congratulations yeah. on seven years graduation with the. Uh, master's degrees and work in such we're complaining I feel so dumb now intense
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much thank you so much for having yeah. me this has been a Cleveland. long time coming so I'm glad we finally made it happen that's awesome
5: and I'm going to botch it again so the last name one last time
2: Chemileski
5: Amy Chemileski thank you so much for being on the show thank
2: you so much guys
5: All right, let's break out the news Hello, here. I'm Kent Brockman, and this is
2: Eye on Cancer. cancer.
6: Just the facts, ma'am.
5: Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announced to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we don't want you missing out on. They're all free, and they're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences, happy hours, retreats, kayaking, mountain climbing trips, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar crawls, concerts, tweets, and more. And you have something coming up. That you'd like us to broadcast during this part of the show, send us an email to info at stupidcancer.com. All right, Kenny, what do we got?
4: All right, head on over to events your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Stay in the loop because we want to... I'm a mess tonight. Kenny's a mess tonight. Stay Kenny... in the loop because we want We can't read all right. Coming up, we have... The Cancer and Careers National Conference on a Work in Cancer here in New York City. That's at the Desmond Tutu Center on June 22nd. Uh, we have a Seattle meetup he- happening on June 16th, which is a solstice parade. And we have a Stupid Cancer Happy Hour in Texas on June 15th. Where in Texas? <laughs> I feel like we had this talk two weeks ago. It's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. Well, that's important. It is important.
5: Texas is kind of big. It's you been, drove through it.
4: I did It's, try to, it's very large. <laughs> I was even more exhausted than I am right yes. now.
5: All right, join the mailing list for the sixth annual OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults in Las Vegas next year. Um, visit omg2013.org, click the upper right-hand corner, enter your email address to receive the latest and greatest in e-news, updates on dates, venue, agenda, registration, players' club, and other exciting information. Kenny.
4: Stupid Cancer Forums have over 2,500 members. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.com. Sign up with one click through Facebook.
5: All right. Hey, New York City. Save the date for the inaugural OMG Summit East. Uh, Again, here in New York City on the September 15th at Peru College, this is a special one-day event with a limited engagement to the first 150 registrations. So check off in the sign-up for us. We'll be making announcements on mailing lists and Facebook very soon visit org slash NYC 2012 and that is your Stupid
4: Cancer News Good. I hope I have my job after tonight
5: well Lisa may may actually fire you for embarrassing her position yes hi Lisa
4: hey guys how oh are my you God. Lisa we need you Kenny what's going
1: on I don't
5: know man he's drunk and high and low and sober
1: yes <laughs> at the same time Wow, I'm uh, I'm actually speechless. How are you, my? Ma- How are you, Matthew? Wait, I almost called you Michael. So wait, maybe I'm in the same boat as all three. Yeah, all the- as
5: it's a bi- <laughs> proxy you. issue. You're, we're no. we're uh, we're a hot mess. Osmosisifying ourselves our hot messes th- through the phone lines.
1: <laughs> you guys are all. You've been traveling. You're sleepy. You're tired.
5: Yeah, when your staff is two and they both leave in two opposite directions and come back right <laughs> three days later, yeah, it's tough.
1: Yeah, we the, press on.
5: <clears throat> anyway, our our sincere condolences on um Wendy's loss.
1: Oh yes, we had a lot a a tough loss in the uh in the family here in the extended family. So I am down in the uh my better half's camp of North Carolina and um yeah, it's uh it's tough, but an unexpected uh, uh relative of a uh, uh brain hemorrhage and a stroke and uh died too soon, but here we are and we do our best to uh to, you know, console ourselves and, and the importance of leaning on each other and family, and we move on. So here we are, back on the show tonight, and um happy to be here to talk to you guys.
5: Can I just point out one more thing? Yes. When you call in from North Carolina, because you're like 1,000 miles away, Yeah. it sounds better than when you call in from Bumble, wherever you live
1: <laughs> in New York,
5: uh, like 40 miles away.
1: Bumble bleep. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why that is. I have no idea why that is. Yeah, you maybe sound they, great. Yeah, maybe they they have a, a sort of updated technology. I'd I, I like to think I'm on that. You're going to laugh. Please try not to laugh out loud at this. I like to think I'm on the cutting edge of technology
7: <laughs> in what
1: we have in my area, in, our, in my neck of the woods, which is only one hour outside of New York City. But evidently my in-laws here are way more advanced than I am, and their equipment is much more powerful and sounds better than mine. You so- should
4: move to North Carolina.
1: Just to do the show. <laughs> just for the show. Well,
4: whatever they're feeding those hamster wheels, uh, we should start feeding
5: your hamster wheels the same thing.
1: Maybe they're genetically altered hamsters down in, in North Carolina. <laughs> exactly. And they're, they're doing better.
5: Well, uh, let's uh, bring our uh, our first uh, principal guest here. She's calling in from France. So, Emmanuel Schick Garcia is a Spanish Canadian director of the documentary "The Idiot Cycle" that investigates the links. Between the chemical, GMO, and cancer industry, specifically looking at the companies Dow Chemical, Bayer, BASF, DuPont, Monsanto, and AstraZeneca, none of which are sponsors. So please welcome to the Clean Cancer Thank Show. Thank goodness for that. Emmanuel <laughs> Schick Garcia.
8: Emmanuel? Hello.
1: Hi, can you hear me?
5: Oh, we, you're coming in even clearer than Lisa, and you're coming oh, from uh, France.
1: That's what I was going to say. You know, we should just move the entire show to France then. That sounds
8: great <laughs> to me. <laughs>
5: Thank you so much for calling in. This is extraordinary. And it's like 4 in the morning there, isn't it?
8: Uh, it's 2:30, so it's not so bad.
5: Okay, wow. not thoroughly really bad. Okay.
8: We're we are completely honored. Oh, yes. uh, no. Thank you for having me. It's uh, really great to be on the show.
5: So from from the from the the quick points that I got from the film, this is a big deal what your film is discussing. I mean, it's, it's something that is not a new topic but the way you're you're approaching it and the research you've done about it is really quite extraordinary um... i guess my first question is what got you first into the idea of tackling this incredibly controversial political issue
8: well like everyone i've been touched by cancer and my mom when i was twenty three um i was a student at ucla and she at the age of forty nine developed breast cancer and her family actually never had any cancers at all and um She lost both her breasts and there was a 50% chance that she was going to make it past two years. And at that point, I guess, was a huge wake-up call because half of my friends at that time as well had a parent that was diagnosed or was dying of cancer. And I'd already lost six uh, childhood friends to cancer. Leukemia, uh, stomach cancer, throat cancer, just a bunch of different cancers. And um, I was wondering why all these people, because... I was in the hospital reading the literature that they give you, the pamphlets, you know, make sure that you wear sunscreen, make sure you're eating your five fruits and vegetables a day, and that you're exercising, don't smoke. And all the people that I knew that were diagnosed were doing those things. So I was wondering why are so many people around me getting cancer when, you know, all the things we're being told to do, we're doing. And that's when my sister and I started to sort of um, do a little bit of investigation herself and research just because of our mom, and my sister ended up becoming a doctor, and I ended up making this film um, just because I was at film school uh, at UCLA, and then I, I was kind of pursuing this as I was pursuing other things, and um, what, what set it off in terms of the companies was that my mom was taking a drug for breast cancer called Arimidex, and at the time there was a drug called tamoxifen, which was made by AstraZeneca, which got pulled off the market because it was cancer-causing. And um, I was wondering why... That the
5: definition of irony.
8: Yeah, right. And um, another thing that's ironic is that AstraZeneca is actually made up of two companies. One is Zeneca, which was formed out of a demerger of Imperial Chemical, and another was Astra, which is a Swedish company. And Zeneca was actually the maker of fungicides and herbicides, One of which included the cancer causing um, AstraClore. So here is a company with a pretty dark past. um, And Zeneca was the one that trademarked and owned uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which today is owned by AstraZeneca. So anything, um, any literature, any information that is part of that campaign must be okayed by AstraZeneca, which means that a lot of things like uh, toxic chemicals, pollution, um, anything that AstraZeneca might have made will not be appearing in any of those pamphlets. Um, so the reason I, I set off looking at AstraZeneca first was just because those were the, that's the company that made the cancer um, pills that my mom was taking after the chemo. And um, it just went from there. I was just wondering why all of a sudden we, um, we were ignoring all these causes of cancer, um, like benzene, for example, which is a known Carcinogen and is linked to leukemia why when it's so prevalent in a lot of industries, why don't we ever hear about that? or why doesn't a doctor say, "Well, you know, do you live next to a chemical plant? Do you do this? Doctors never ask that. Um, so that's just when things started to go from there, and I just started digging and digging further, and seven years down, and I finished the film so.
1: So just to back up on what you said, you're talking about um, tamoxifen, uh being, that was obviously, it has a link to cervical cancer, correct? Right. Yes. Um, but now but now back on the market and in use. Correct?
8: Right. In some countries, not all.
1: Yeah. So yeah. so then tell us, then, and also in your introduction, we, we talked about the link that your film discusses between chemical cancer and GMO industries. For the folks out there who are not familiar with GMO, explain what that term means.
8: It means genetically modified organism, and most of these co- uh, companies, these chemical companies, are also big agrochemical companies. Um, they develop uh, GMO crops. So um, some are herbicide tolerant. Um, most of them have never, most actually, all of them have never been tested for long-term uh, health impacts like cancer. Uh-huh. So we're going, we're going through the same cycle again. Whereas uh, chemicals that are on the market, one to 2% are um, have full toxicological profiles, the same is, is happening with GMOs. We could do these long-term tests before they're put on the market, but we don't.
1: Right. And that goes
8: for the U.S., Canada, Europe. It's the same pretty much everywhere.
1: Yeah. So you produced your film in Canada, correct?
8: No, I produced it in France, but um, a lot of it was shot in Canada and the U.S., and then uh, we in in a f- uh, number of European countries, but I am half Canadian, so right. Since well, no couldn't... one's
5: perfect. My question is,
8: <laughs> yeah, have you right? employed
5: have you employed either James Bond or Jason Bourne to protect you from the men in black that are coming from these companies <laughs> to get you?
8: I think I'm too in- insignificant and small to uh, for anyone to care, but.
5: Um, not after
1: doing our show.
8: you are going to get the Lisa Bernhard bump. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the
8: thing is um what actually we we um the lawyer I have in Montreal that does the you insurance for our film, he does you know, insurance for a lot of um I guess you would call it controversial films just because they're films that do investigations on very large multinationals that um, can sue you for with slap lawsuits. Um, even sometimes before they even see the film, which happened, for example, to the documentary Bananas that went after um, Dole Food Company. So he uh, approached this insurance company in Canada and everything was going fine, the application was going through. What we need in you know, insurance is to broadcast the film on television in North America. And three days um, prior to our application being dropped, I received uh, an email from a lobbyist who worked for the Ministry of Agriculture in Canada, which was bizarre because our our, our website had just gone up we don't had we didn't have any distributor or any anybody famous or any anybody pushing the film at all. It just kind of appeared um, and then we were trying to get you know insurance to get a television agent. Um, three days later, the lawyer from the insurance company calls and says, I'm sorry, Direction told us to drop this application. We won't be able to pursue it. And our lawyer said, well, can you give us a reason? Is there something in the documentary? Is Because usually you have to give an official reason. And he said, no, we, there's no reason. We just can't do it. So after that, we were basically hindered from releasing the film on television in North America. Um, and it made it very difficult uh, to distribute the film. So that's why, like three years later, the film was uh, released in the late 2009. We are still pushing the film to to have it seen, and uh, now we're trying to get it into the public domain. So that's where the film is right now.
1: Tell us about some of the experts that you have in the film and some of the more convincing arguments that they make.
8: Um well most of the, the um the scientists that I picked are actually advisors to their government. So for example, Vivian Howard, who is a toxicologist and now is a professor as well in a university in Northern Ireland. Um then there's Deborah Davis who is also um has
1: been on our show, Deborah. Yeah, yep, Deborah great. Of the show. I mean mm-hmm. amazing,
8: amazing woman. And um who else? There's the, the
1: environmentalists we should mention for those who haven't listened. Uh, was my, my previously, well, yeah. Deborah
5: was the uh, she Deborah started the um, oncology environmental oncology uh, philosophy, like the science of how the environment impacts oncology. So yeah. she's a real pioneer in that field because yeah. she pioneered yeah, it.
8: She she was at, well actually there's um the Ramanzini Foundation was a little bit before her in Italy but she for sure in North America she's definitely one of the few people to start speaking out about that and. It's, it's incredibly important just because I'm talking about the Ramazzini Foundation. They're one of the only um, independent research uh, places in the world that does this kind of testing, which is a little bit scary when you think that most universities or most research facilities have some kind of ties to these uh, six large chemical companies. It's very, very difficult to find either a professor or a researcher or a scientist who has no conflicts of interest with, uh, with the industry. It's very let,
5: difficult. Let me um, let me let me take a, a devil's advocate stance, which I rarely do, because you know we we work with pharmaceutical companies all the time,
3: mm-hmm. and
5: I know several CEOs of pharmaceutical companies and biotech firms and even biotech startups who came from major pharma companies. You know, there's always this conspiracy theory angle that they're hiding a cure in a safe somewhere, um, and but but the problem is like these CEOs have daughters and sons who get cancer and have to go through the same exact therapies as anyone else. If there was some magic cure somewhere, like in some fairy dust, they would have used it by now. Do you think that the, the people running these companies are so glib to assume that they're uh, somehow invulnerable to the consequences that their industries are causing?
8: Um, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I think uh, my film is really based on facts and that um, I don't think that they make get people um, make people sick on purpose um, so that they can profit from the cancer diseases after, but I think that it is a consequence of what's happening. They're exacerbating the um, the disease, and um, I think because of the interest they have financially, I think they tend to ignore and belittle the causes which um, you know we should be looking into more. Um, for example, I'll give you, uh, and I, like I said, I don't know, I, c- I can't speak on behalf of these CEOs or anything like that, but I, d- I don't know if there's a cure. I just think that we should be looking more to the causes and I think, um, for example, Richard Dole, which was a very famous epidemiologist in the UK and for a long time was the go-to expert. Um, He was paid by Monsanto, the chemical manufacturers um, association, Dow Chemical, for 20 years, uh, or at least. We don't know if it was more. Um, And it was just known by the general public after he passed away in 2003. And he was being paid $1,500 a day at some point. And he was defending like PVC plastics, um, Agent Orange, uh, during the Australian Commission on that. So that becomes a real problem when experts... Um, are used by these companies to defend what they make, and then it turns out because, for example, vinyl chloride is now a listed carcinogen by the World Health Organization. Um, that that kind of financial conflict of interest is a real detriment to to cancer and to cancer people getting cancer. So, um, like I said, these pharmaceutical companies, I'm sure a lot there's a lot of good people that work in there and a lot of people looking to uh, make treatments that help people, I mean to help my mom. So I can't, um, that's not what I'm, the film's about. The film's about really why are we ignoring all these causes and why don't we test these products before they're put on the market.
1: And where can you see, you've taken this film to, uh, to, to festivals around the world, is that right?
8: Yeah, it opened at the IDFA Festival in Amsterdam which is one of the largest uh, documentary festivals. And then it uh, opened in North America at the Montreal Film Festival.
1: And so and what y- has been, I'm sorry, go ahead.
8: No, 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 go ahead.
1: <laughs> so I, I'm, just, I'm just curious as to response. I mean, obviously there must be some in, in the film uh, festival circuit who've listened to what you've had to say, been passionate. I mean, have you had any sort of um, distributors or, or, or financiers that have come forward? Um,
8: that financiers usually come before you start making the film. So if, yeah. uh, that, once the film is finished you usually don't um, find financers and what happens is somebody either acquires the film or doesn't and so in our case there was a television um, distributor or they're like an agent who got very interested in the film and because they were European they we don't need you know insurance here in Europe and they were a lot um, quicker to jump on the film and were less scared of litigation and of repercussions that uh, that could have happened so the film then it ended up on Russia Today and, and will be on Al Jazeera and it was on a television station here in France but in terms of getting a a a distributor to distribute the film widely it, then it became very difficult because um just because of this ENO you know, insurance problem and people just sort of got scared and uh, and yeah so i mean that That's a great way to kill a film and kill a, a discussion.
1: <laughs> but you have DVDs in terms of this country. if you're not at a festival, um, there are DVDs available for purchase. Is that right?
8: Yeah, we made them available on our our film site uh, on the film site, and um, but what we're trying to do now is we started a campaign to reimburse the cost of the film so that we could transfer the rights of the film into the public domain. That way the film could be shown by nonprofit organizations and um, whoever. And shared uh, by anyone, anywhere, and belong basically to the public. Um, and that's the information about that campaign is on the film's website, theidiotcycle.com. So we just thought that was a um, mutually beneficial thing to do, just because um, we never got paid to make the film. I didn't have a salary or anything like that. And we're trying because why we're selling the film is because we're trying to recuperate the the cost of making it. And we had so many demands from non-profits. And sometimes, a lot of times, they were asking, you know, can we show it for free, no licensing fee, which we did for a year. But it became very expensive for us, and we just couldn't keep doing that. So we thought that maybe the best middle ground um, to make everyone happy would be doing this. If everyone wants to help us pay off the the cost of the film, then we were gladly put it into the public domain and anyone can do whatever they want with the film. It will belong to everyone.
1: So outside of so you've, so you've done the film, you're doing what you can to get it seen by broader and broader audiences. Yeah. What's the next step? What would you like to do? What would you like to see people who viewed the film do?
8: Well, I would love to get it in the public domain because I think if it's in the public domain then people can sh- start sharing it, they can stream it on the internet, they can um, and in that in way the film the action
1: we, happening, yes.
8: Yeah, and that way the film really has a life, and then I, the, the, the legal parts, the you the know insurance, all that becomes obsolete, and then people really have access to this, and we can start a real debate about prevention of cancer, um, and I mean prevention in another way, instead of just um, you know putting on sunscreen, which is important too. But uh, I just think there's a lot more things that we sh- we could be looking at, and that people could be aware of and make different choices in their life if they want to.
0: Right. So,
8: well,
5: last question, because we're almost out of time, and I really okay. we want to have you back on the show because this is an incredibly uh, relevant conversation. Why did you call it the idiot cycle?
8: Well, at first it was it was the cycle of life because they're basically taking the cycle of life and they're interrupting it, and not only for cancer people that get cancer, but just for for example, an organism like that's genetically modified. And I just think that it's an idiot cycle because here we are. We're so excited and about these innovative um, new crops and these innovative, innovative new chemicals that make us our life, like supposedly, uh, easier and, and more comfortable. And in some aspects, it has. But in a lot of aspects, um, our generation is living with a lot of pollution and crap that we're is in our body now, and that stuff can't be cleaned out. So. When what I think is, is idiotic about it is just that we could have prevented these things, just like a lot of cancers can be prevented as well, and we're not doing it. Why is that?
1: Yeah. Well, Emmanuel, this is this is a, a, an amazing undertaking for you to take on, and the fact that not only did you do this film, but that your sister became uh, a doctor as a result of your mother's illness. You, uh, if nothing else, you two are quite dedicated to your mom. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we We applaud you for that, and folks should go to again the which we've posted in our chat room to uh check out more about the film and uh we wish you good luck in getting it into the public domain and it certainly is something that people should be aware of and and look into uh look into further it's sort of a big uh an enormous issue globally but um hopefully you know films like yours at least take steps to get us in the right direction
8: well, thank you so much for having me on my show and uh I, I wish you guys the uh, best of luck. I ha- actually have a lot of friends in New York who told me about your show and that I should get in touch with you. So I'm really glad they did. And tell them to
5: become friends with us, and we'll go off for a, a bite and talk about how France has uh, free healthcare. care. <laughs> well,
1: and then and then, as I said, we'll we'll open the Paris bureau, and it'll all be great. Yes, super <laughs> <People> cancer <laughs> oh, France. Great. Exactly. Yeah.
5: All right, Emmanuel well, Shick Good- Garcia, the film is the idiot cycle at the idiotcycle.com. Congratulations to you and we'll we'll be in touch. Take care. Oh,
8: great. Thank you very much. Bye guys.
5: Okay. Let's uh get her on here, and now it is time for our second half of the show. We are going to be treated to a series of genetic fantasticness because we have the three Busic Nano brothers coming on the show. Uh Anthony Nick and Alex Bizignano. Um, Alex was diagnosed. Uh, I'm going to mess this up because I messed this up and I have no sleep. Anyway, we'll, we're going to hear about their film called Transition uh, about lacrosse, the young adult cancer. And, um, and uh, let's bring them out. Please welcome Alex, Nick, and Anthony Bizignano. Gentlemen. Hey, Anthony
0: here. Thank you guys so much for having us.
5: It's uh, it's really great to have you on the show. I was really excited to get your email a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the film was really fantastic. It's we Thank we you. like when people really take the initiative to do more than just write a, like a blog post. Not not to demean blog posts, but it's a huge undertaking to do what you guys did. And um, you know, you're not taking on BASF and Monsanto, but at the same time, there's, there's a really great message in what's going on, and there's a really great happy ending to everything that you guys are talking about too. Uh, So uh, uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Anthony You're the one that reached out to me So let's get the ball rolling
0: Okay Well, you know, I first have to say It was a labor of love And I have to say thank you to everyone who was involved From our director of the film To the DP, the editor, first AB Everyone who worked on it Donated their time And they wanted to help out with this cause And I just really have to thank them Doug Bollinger, James Heather, Jesse Temple Tom Deere, Jay Webb And everybody else Thank you so much for helping out with this. And uh yeah, I had been wanting to uh, be in a lacrosse film and I decided to start writing on it. And at the same time my brother Nick was finishing his battle with cancer and he was getting back on the lacrosse field and he he became the leading scorer on the team and it was really inspirational. We're fighting through, you know, the after effects of chemo where He's still very fatigued, but he'd still get out on the field
5: and score countless goals through the
0: season. So, Nick, are you with us? Yes, I'm
5: right here. Good evening, hey, you uh, young man.
0: Hey,
6: Tony.
5: So uh, I'd love to hear about your story, your 15 diagnosis stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, talk us through that. How was that detected? Did you go to see your general doctors? Yes, uh,
6: I... Uh was actually playing football and it was uh, I was going into my sophomore year of high school and um I was having like breathing problems and a and a coughing problem. So I went to the doctor and he'd actually given me medicine for um for, for asthma, you know, like a, a inhaler and uh, it it was ineffective. It didn't work at all.
5: I was gonna say that probably didn't help.
6: No. <laughs> it didn't and then uh, I went for a chest x ray he sent us um with my the pediatrician actually and uh they they found actually a large tumor that was over my chest it was um it was like the size of a football i get uh as far as width and height and
5: uh oh come on, you could do better than that
6: <laughs> and it was um it was pressing on my lungs, and that's the reason I was coughing and uh and so um I went through uh six months of treatment uh including chemotherapy and radiation and um you know it's uh it's a rough experience definitely to go through and uh but i think that um getting as getting back on the lacrosse field uh you know there it, it was something i was really passionate about and uh i think that you know the the want to get back on the field was you know definitely something that kept me going through therapy and kept me hopeful and uh you know it was just um i was i was very young and resilient at the time and, what kind of a
5: response did you get from, like, your your high school classmates, your teachers? Were they shocked? Did they shun you? Did you lose friends? You know, talk about that experience. Because 15 years old, you know, we talk about cancer in young adults, 21, 30, 35. You know, you kind of, you're trying to at least get your shit together. But at 15, I, with all due respect, I know you're 21 now, but no one has their shit together at 15 years old.
6: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was I was actually uh, I was a pretty good student and uh, a good athlete and um at the time and uh I was I was at a, my freshman year I was at a, a Catholic school and um I actually uh, I ended up transferring schools after my treatment to another school and okay. uh and so you know I was with a whole different group of friends and people but actually you know people still knew that you know I had undergone treatment and and things um and I had I told my, uh, my teammates as well, but um, they they got to know me as uh, you know as myself before they knew me as uh, you know the, the kid that uh, had beaten cancer. Got it. Well, that probably came in handy. <laughs> yes. It did.
5: So what what do you, what the, your uh, radiation? Did they take out uh, lymph nodes? Uh, was it full body? Was it uh, localized to the head and neck?
6: It was it was over the uh, my chest, okay. my chest area, and uh, they they actually uh, they used tattoos that they give you, like these little dots of a a tattoo that you have to get, um, so that every day you go, they're very consistent. And
5: where were you treated? What hospital?
6: Uh, Sloan Kettering Memorial.
5: Oh, here in New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. My old job. (laughs) I was treated there in in the the, uh, Stone Age of 1996. Oh, wow. So they come a long way, even seven years ago. Wow. Um... So anyway, uh, I think Lisa's back on. She wants to ask a couple of questions.
1: Sure. Oh, I just yeah. We, I think I was I uh, had a blip there. Sorry, and went, might have been mis- gone missing. Um,
0: Hello. 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're all back. Is that Tony? Yep. Yes. Oh great. Can
0: you hear me? Yep, yeah. We're good.
1: We're great. So all right. so um, so at what point then? How I, I'd like to know in terms of the process of getting this film going. At what point, Tony, did you want to make a film? And at what point, Nick, were you comfortable with your brother making this film based on your story? Well, Tony, you want to start?
0: Oh, uh, sure. Well, let's see. Back in, over, say back over early 2009, I had written a feature screenplay based. You know, I put a screenplay together, wrote it based on my brother's story, a full-length feature. And then I just realized it would take forever, probably, to get that funding, and I really. Wanted to get this out there, get the message out there. So I did my best to construct, take, extrapolate from the future, and make a short film version of it. And in that time, I I funded it myself. I basically I just I did extra work, I did tutoring, whatever I had to do to save up. And and then again, just through some good networking and folks folks donating their time, was able to shoot it on a shoestring budget.
1: Well, and were you immediately on board with this, Nick?
0: Um, You
6: know, it was about three and a half, you know, three years after my treatment. So uh, I, I think I supported him in his uh, his creative endeavors. Uh, actually, you know, I was yeah. I was behind him.
1: Yeah, and just going back to you, you talked about switching schools. Did you purposely switch schools so you would go into a new school where nobody, where you wouldn't be that kind of cancer kid, as you mentioned?
6: Uh, I, I absolutely think that was definitely part of it. You know, that that was uh, another factor. But I, I think that. Um, at the time uh the the public school uh was was a little more um adept to uh, continue, uh, working with me in my situation and you know uh providing tutoring and uh, stuff like that and uh, that,
1: that 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 it's interesting you felt the public school was more adept at it than the catholic school that you had been at yeah yeah and
6: uh but oh. uh, uh, yep
1: so talk us through more of of the story. Obviously, it's, it's the crux of it is you've gone through something very dramatic in your life as a young person, and you get back to uh, on the field as a lacrosse player. Do you guys want to mm-hmm. flesh it out flesh it out from there,
0: Tony? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, you want me? Okay. Um, yeah. Pretty much, yes. Where it opens up, and it it opens up in a flashback where it was you know, lacrosse is a spring sport, and it's junior year of. The main, you know, the main character basically Nick. Uh, character name is Chris, who uh, that's the name of uh, one of our other brothers actually. Yeah. But It's his junior year, and then he gets hurt, and from getting hurt on the field is how, again, just like Nick was working out with football, and that's how they just we you know found out that something was just not right with him, with the character. He gets hurt in the last game against the rival, and then has to go to the hospital and realize that. You know, they find something in him and it realize that it's cancer and then skips ahead in this short version to where he's done the treatment and now it's about him making a comeback. So I want it to, to be like almost like an odyssey where he have to go on this journey again from where he was at the lowest depth from treatment and in this different world and now it's making the comeback and making that transition again into more so the real world where, for better or worse, people aren't really as familiar or understand that world of the treatments and going into the hospitals. Right. And and show that, just like with Nick, that, you know, everyone is afraid of him playing, but it's not about that. It's about him just getting back to where he was and pushing through, even though he had this terrible disease and that he conquered it.
5: So let's give Alex some love here. He's been kind of quiet. Alex, (laughs) uh, are you the middle
7: child? Hello? Alex? Yes. Nope, just making sure that I think, um, you know, I just want to first off step back one second and talk about Nick because I I don't think he does himself justice in bragging about himself. Um, When he came back, he was um, absolutely one of the best lacrosse players in the area. Um, His comeback was sort of heroic in many ways, and I think that's something that um, you know, it was inspiring for us, and that's part of the reason that we were also very passionate about the film as we were making it. Um, just wanted to sort of add that in there.
1: And w- what was the public high school that you were playing for, Nick? Uh,
6: Colts Neck High School.
1: I'm sorry, say that again.
6: Colts Neck High School.
1: Colts Neck High School. In in which in which town in New York State?
6: In uh, New Jersey.
1: New Jersey. Okay.
5: No one's perfect. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> don't anger the the jersey boys
3: <laughs>
5: Alex if I can ask you Alex your company works in genetics
3: mm-hmm.
5: um uh we just had a whole um educational workshop in San Diego about melanoma but the gist of the technology and the science was all about how genomics is like this really big emerging industry now and in the way biotech is changing diseases um, does what does your, your company do in the genetic world?
7: Uh well currently we're working with um sort of serious genetic illness and um uh re- reproduction, so you know, helping couples who are at risk um sort of identify and become informed um of potential risks like that. But we're we're actually looking um at a number of different items there. Um it, it's actually exploding as you sort of um Indicated with uh, research and whatnot um, but you know right now within when, with respect to cancer um, it sort of uh, needs it needs a lot of infrastructure still um, I think the people that are doing the best jobs are some of the researchers um for instance um like the Salk Institute if you uh, look at dr Jeffrey wall um he sort of has pioneered this industry he discovered for instance um the her2 gene which is a specific form of breast cancer, and when you know the form genetically, it's easier to treat it with uh, sort of more targeted therapies. Um, ultimately, I think that's where the industry is heading, where identifying the genomic type of cancer and getting indicated specific treatments based on that is what we'd want to see. And um, you know, certainly, I'd love for my company to go in that direction and help out with um, identification and diagnostics. Um, our big thing is we're able to do these genetic diagnostics much cheaper than the status quo, and that really gets more access for people.
5: No, and it's, it's, I'm really glad that you're in the ind- the industry needs sort of more of a sort of an incubation, you know, uh, think tank uh, conversation here. Uh, do you know, um, just off the cuff, do you know e- Esther Dyson at 23andMe?
7: Yeah, Esther's involved in a number of um, you know healthcare biotech related startups. I don't know her personally, but obviously I've read a lot about her. Um, The 23andMe team, I think, is incredible in general. Um, You know, sort of pioneering research with uh, public data sets and having the patients fill out surveys. Um, I think they're doing a lot of good stuff in the Parkinson's realm.
5: Yep, it's really amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Anyway, so 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 thank you for that. I mean, I think that there's a lot of sort of subtle uh, sort of serendipity to your line of work and and your brother being a cancer survivor. especially focused on genomics i give mike uh, nick a quick question for you uh were you at all throughout your journey here at at sloan or or going back to jersey introduced i like to ask this question of our of our survivors introduced other teens going through cancer
6: uh yes i was i was actually in a a pediatric um uh, you know a floor at the time and uh uh, my mother actually met a lot of the other parents that were around, and uh, I, I was—I um, d- I did get to know some other teens at the time. Well,
5: that, that's the kind of question. That's the right answer, actually, because we really hope that that you are introduced when you're going through this process to peers. But now that you're 21, you can come to Vegas with us for our annual conference next year. So <laughs> I'd love to. We'll be sure to, to totally abuse the fact that you're of age now. <laughs>
1: He likes that, I you know
5: good
1: so nick uh, nick when you when you got back on the field, how was it for you physically and mentally i mean what what effect had the illness and the chemo taken on your body in terms of you know clearly you're yeah. such a stellar athlete, not just in lacrosse but you played football as well. How did that affect your game um again, both psychologically emotionally and you know, and physically
6: it uh it definitely um they say that afterwards you know. Whether you're playing sports or not, you have more of a fatigue. You you have fatigue issues, you know, especially after the first few years. But um, I actually specifically remember the that summer afterwards, you know, because I was treated, you know, um, the end of the the summer of '05, and so I remember at the beginning of summer 06, I was playing in a, a game, and I remember I was I was my body felt like it had a tingles going through it, and it was like, you know, I hadn't uh had that type of rush or you know that type of um uh playtime you know such a long time and uh but um they they say also that uh, one of the chemicals that I was exposed to affects coordination. And uh that was something I was aware of but um I ultimately I don't think that it made that much of a difference.
1: So it was you know? ma- it was mainly the fatigue then. You still had your skills, you still had your coordination.
6: Uh yes. Yeah, yeah. and, and tell me,
1: a- let's yeah Tony, let's go back to you you're 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 helming a film here that is so near and dear to your heart based on your brother's life. How collaborative was this? I mean it sounds like you've got a lot are there four brothers total in the family?
0: yeah, there's four of us
1: okay and you it's obviously you know you're I would think you're very protective of this. I mean, did you all consult uh together on this film? Talk about that process and how you sort of oversaw making such an intimate story?
0: Well, definitely. As I was writing the film, I would send notes to my brothers. My, it was definitely a family affair and a labor of love, and wanted to make sure he was comfortable with it, of course. And he was great enough to give his blessing with it, Nick. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think he realizes also that this is such an important message, and that, you know, there may not be as much awareness of pediatric cancer, and a film like this can really help with that, and give kid going through this hope that yes there is life after cancer and yes, give, give hope. Right.
1: And you did and uh Nick you went on to, as we mentioned, um to uh Lafayette. You're currently at, at Lafayette University? Yep. I was studying engineering. Yes. And you're another you been...
6: underachiever.
1: Yes. Exactly. Are you still are you playing sports there as well?
6: Uh no, I'm not I, uh, it's,
1: uh, yeah,
6: I'm focusing on uh, academics. More so. All
5: right, Nick. Mm-hmm. We have a so at least hang out. We have a question from the uh, chat room for you, Nick. Um One of the, the folks wanted to know if uh, being a fitness, uh, you know, did fitness, um, did I guess did I'm trying to interpret the question. Did being in shape by being um,
6: an athlete
5: help you during your chemo? Uh,
6: I think that. They say, the doctors say that um, people who are athletes before treatment have, a, you know, a stronger resistance, more so than non-athletes. And uh, I think they say that it does help to be a, an athlete uh, going through treatment because you're in shape and your um, you're, your body's just healthier and stronger. So it, I think it does help.
5: Good. Were you offered any, like, physical therapy or nutritional counseling at Sloan going through this?
6: yes uh I was actually and because um, uh, um actually when i when I first started my treatment i'd uh I'd actually gone on a respirator for about seven days, oh wow, and uh I had lost you know more than ten percent of my body weight and my muscles, so I had to um you know start to walk again and stuff, and uh I did undergo some physical therapy as far as getting my uh, my gait back for walking. After that, sure, yeah,
1: and Tony, tell us also, um about how difficult or not it may have been to make and present a film on cancer, because oftentimes people get uh pushback when it's a topic that not everybody may necessarily be comfortable with, even though cancer affects almost everybody on this planet. Some people think um, books, films, anything in the arts that you know—it's it, it, difficult, oftentimes, to sell something in the marketplace that has to, that still deals with the topic of cancer. How was that for you?
0: Right, I, I definitely know. I know exactly what you mean, and I think that having the sports angle, especially a sport like lacrosse, where there are very few lacrosse movies, really helped with that a lot, and that it's. Told as a you know as a comeback story in a in a rocky sort of fashion, and the obstacle here just ha- it happens to be cancer, and it, it definitely is a topic that people can get very cautionary around. But it's something that's very real, and people should be very much aware of. Yeah.
1: So right now it exists as a sh- as a short film, and you are looking yeah. to to turn it into a feature length film.
0: Absolutely, that was the original intent, and yeah. a lot of people at the screenings at festivals you know after the fact they all said they they wished it was longer and right now it's just about getting the funding to be able to, to do the feature where you know shorts are great for festivals but for stuff to get to a, a wider audience whether it's in a theater or just on TV a feature film is definitely the way to go right sure
1: right well we well, definitely wish you uh wish you the best of luck there Matthew sorry I'm I need
5: to go right ahead. No, well, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to let I wanted to ask Nick if he's ever heard of First Descents, the organization.
6: Uh, no, I haven't.
5: All right, you're gonna love this. First Descents. It's first, then D E S C E N T S. First They do over 50 uh, adventure retreats every year, um, whether it's river rafting, mountain climbing, hiking, kayaking, surfing, skiing. Um, with 20 or 30 young adult survivors per click. And uh, it's a life-changing experience. And I know you're seven years out, but you're still eligible to go. I'd encourage you to take a look at that. As a sports guy and a college student and, and you know, just entering the young adult world right now, you, you, you'll you have a blast uh, learning more about how to get involved with those guys.
6: Sounds very interesting. I'm definitely going to take a
5: look. Definitely take a look. So uh, this has been great. Uh, so, Anthony, what, what's the website again for the... For the, uh, for oh, yeah.
0: So to see the trailer, and actually we have the on the website also the, the full-length version, I mean the, the short version, but in full on the website, it's www.transitionthemovie.com.
5: Transitionthemovie.com. Yes. That's fantastic. We got um, it in our
0: chat room. Everybody yep. check
1: it
5: out. We'll throw it up on the chat room. And, uh... Any any final comments, guys? This has been great. I mean, we love to profile stories like these, and, uh, Tony, I'm really glad you reached out to us because this is what it's all about. You know, you're, you're choosing to share Nick's story. It's an amazing story. And, you know, hopefully make things a little better for the next person and enlighten people as to this is what it means to go through cancer and be inspirational. And, and I played their cross once, I got hit in the head, and I never played again. So congratulations for keeping that up for as long as you did.
0: Uh, and, uh... What's also great is it, it's played where Nick got his treatment. It's on Kettering. It's played in, in know, they have a video room and anyone can watch it whenever. And, you know, it's, again, it was a labor of love. And I have to say thank you to everyone who was involved with it. it could not have been done without this group effort. Well, again,
5: kudos to you guys. Lisa, anything else?
1: That's terrific. No, everybody check it out. Again, we put the uh, website in the chat room and, uh, it's great to see you guys out there and, and rallying around the family and putting uh, putting a great story out there.
5: Oh, good stuff. Congratulations, guys. All right, Nick. Um, we have Nick, Alex, and Tony Bizignano. The film is uh, Transition. Very right. inspirational. Good luck to you guys, and uh, please keep in touch.
6: Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right. Good night. Take
5: <laughs> care. So, uh, wow, good show.
1: Great show. We love, we love uh, so much creativity that comes out of the community.
5: No, it's good. I'm still blown away by how the, the quality of the uh, the Skype call from France was.
1: <laughs> says the tech guru.
5: Yeah, says the tech guy. Good stuff. Well, Lisa, again, um, condolences to you and the family. We really uh, hope to see you back here next week, and uh, thanks for calling in. Have a safe trip home.
1: You shall see me next week, my friend. Good
5: okay. night, everybody. All right.
1: Bye,
4: Lisa. Bye, Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye.
5: Okay. Wow, okay. So that was a good show.
4: Despite my.
5: You are high and drunk and sober and low at the same time. But, alright, so you want me to just read the out then? Do it. Alright, alright. So I guess we're just going to go to the closing sequence.
0: Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets.
5: Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, <laughs> you've done it again. That was so
1: terrible, I think you gave me cancer.
5: Okay, folks, that is tonight's Show 228th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank Kenny Kane, Matt Beckett, James Manning, Brooke Lorenz here in the studio. Emmanuel Schick-Garcia, Tony Nick, and Alex Vizignano, and Amy Chmieloski. Great guests tonight. Next week's show, June 18th, live at 8 p.m. We are talking about alternative medicine and the inherent science and controversies therein. Josh Skerry and Anna Skerry. From the Alive Foundation, certified nutritionists and personal trainers. And Anthony Gucciardi, the National Health Guru, co-founder of the Natural Society and the writer for Dr. Mercola. And in the survivor Spotlight, Jen Nash Kasuga, young adult survivor of stage 3 brain cancer, heals herself through natural remedies. Very impressive stuff. If you've missed... Any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.com, or check out the archive anytime, any day at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the chemo deck, on behalf of Lisa Bernhard, Kenny Kane, and myself, and the whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Good night.